United States Steel Outfit. Tonight stars Richard Widmark as Winston Smith and features Alan Hewitt as O'Brien and Marion Selders as Julia with Kenneth Banghart reporting the world of 1984. And here to introduce our broadcast, Ken Banghart. Good evening, everyone. Perhaps you're wondering why a newsman is appearing in the Theater Guild on the Air Dramatization. It's because George Orwell's great novel, 1984, deals with the most terrifying subject in the news today, the threat to all free men of communism or totalitarian domination in any form. In fiction, Orwell creates for us a picture of what life might be should the totalitarian forces succeed with their plan to become the Earth's masters. It is fiction that projects into a kind of prophetic reporting of the future. It is our blessing that we can see it so, and thus alert ourselves. We now raise the curtain on 1984, adapted by S. Mark Smith, directed by Homer Fickett. into three super dictatorships, Oceania, Eurasia, and East Asia. And all three have the same objectives, to conquer the rest of the world and to remake human existence according to their theories and formulas. Our story is laid in Oceania, whose dictator is called Big Brother. Oceania is made up of the old territories of the United States, Great Britain, the former British Commonwealth, and South America. Our scene is a hidden room in London. Two men are talking quietly. The one in whom we're interested is named O'Brien. He is a figure of obvious strength and magnetic personality. It is time to begin on Smith W. He is ready for us. His number is 6079. Smith W. 6079. Yes, comrade O'Brien. First name Winston, a writer in the Ministry of Truth. 39. Minute through age 39. His problem is memory. Smith remembers, or thinks he remembers. Memory. It torments him. He feels a mute protest in his very bones. An instinctive feeling that the conditions he lives in are intolerable and that at some time or other, life must have been different. Instinctive protest, thought crime. I've observed it grow in him for seven years. I've watched him closely. There is no act, speech, or train of thought that I cannot infer. When we pass at the office and our eyes meet, it's as though our two minds had opened and our thoughts were flowing from one into the other. He's aware of it? Yes. It frightens him sometimes. Nevertheless, he believes in this link of understanding between us. It encourages him to believe that others beside himself are enemies of the party and that an underground opposition may actually exist. He knows, of course, that you're a member of the inner party. Of course. All the same, I know he is ready for us. He feels that I am someone he could talk to if we weren't being watched. Smith W., a writer, Mini True Records Department. In the government of Oceania, the party rules through four ministries which execute its orders. The four are truth, which concerns itself with propaganda, peace, 
which is concerned with war, love, which is the secret police, the penal system, and the labor camps, and plenty, which is responsible for rationing and the control of production. In Newspeak, which is the official or purged form of the English language, the ministries are called Minitru, Minipax, Minilove, and Miniplenty. An important function of Minitru is to prove by documentary evidence that the party is never wrong. Winston Smith, of whom O'Brien has been speaking, is one of the staff who performed this job. In 1984, the party alters or destroys every record, word, picture, or scrap of information that conflicts with its need. It applies the same process to human beings. Even the date of the year becomes uncertain. The past is dead. The future is unimaginable. In the end, the party will announce that two and two make five. And it will have to be believed. You wander in the forest on the bottom of the sea. And always there are the eyes watching you, enveloping you. But if the party can thrust its hand into the past and say of this or that event, it never happened, that surely is more terrifying than mere torture of death. The truth is true. I must hold on to that. Stones are hard. Water is wet. Objects unsupported fall to earth by the force of gravity. Do you hear this, Brian? I address it to you. The solid world exists, and its laws do not change. By remaining sane, I carry on my human heritage. This Smith, was he married, Comrade O'Brien? He was, nine, ten years ago. After 15 months, they applied for a separation. The usual reason, Comrade O'Brien? Yes, there were no children. Lately, he has noticed a girl at the ministry. He doesn't know her name, and they don't work in the same section. Yet, she keeps turning up around him for no reason. He feels that in some way, she's dangerous to him. He even thinks she may be an agent of the fort police. But she's young, pretty, dark-haired... Times 3184, Big Brother Mal quoted World Peace Message. Excuse me. Smith, W. What? What is it? Have you given your voluntary subscription for the new party banner? Yes, I've subscribed. Of course, I always subscribe. Oh, well. Excuse me, comrade. Liar. Spy hunter bigot. What are you doing in the shape of a woman? If you had a quarter of a chance, you'd denounce me as a thought criminal and have me killed. Excuse me again, please. There will be a spontaneous demonstration tomorrow at 18 o'clock. Personnel of all offices will gather in the main hall of the central telescreen for a two-minute hate meeting. Of course, I know. I have it on my calendar. Well, I, I thought I'd remind you. Goodbye, comrade. If I could only tell her to her face. If I could shout it at the top of my voice. Without watching, man. Get hold of yourself or you'll give yourself away. Your worst enemy is your own nervous system. In 1984, the universal slogan posted everywhere with a benign-looking portrait of the dictator is, Big Brother is watching you. And the eyes of Big Brother and the party are the thought police. 
The thought police watch you through the telescreens, which are fixed on the walls at your place of work and in your home. And when or how often they have plugged in your wire is something you can never guess. The telescreens combine the functions of the earlier telephone, radio, and television instruments, and they regulate everyone's lights. For example, at 7.15 every morning, the telescreen in his room awakens Winston. of the war at sea against Eurasia. An enemy troop ship is blown up. in the features of the alleged leader of a mysterious underground conspiracy against the party. down unknown streets in the labyrinth of London. These are the slums where the proles live. The word comes from proletarian. In 1984, proles are about 85% of the population. Coming out of his reverie, Winston is reminded he has no business in the slum. A dim old shop attracts his attention as an inconspicuous place to get his bearings. 
Anyone here? Oh. Good evening, sir. Did you want to look around? Well, I didn't Not want much any... to offer you, I'm afraid. Just selling off a few odds and ends. Winston has wandered into a pocket of the past. An old antique shop somehow preserved in this corner of the slum. He is curiously stirred by the few relics on the shelves. For instance, uh, this diary. Uh, open it. There's been no paper made like that for 50 years, I dare say. Oh, and I've some prints of old London in a room upstairs. That's another item that's disappeared nowadays. In here, sir, I light the lamp. It's still an oil lamp, you see. There we are. Why, there's no telescreen. Oh, I never saw the need of one of those things. Besides, a lot of old houses down here were never wired. We lived up in this room till my wife died. I've slept downstairs since. I remember a room like this. I was very small. I looked at the fire and I saw wonders. I once thought I, I might rent this room. But there were no takers. Now, if you happen to be interested, this print on the wall is an old church. Have you ever seen it? Yes, I believe I have. It's a ruin now. That's right. It was bombed. Uh, I don't remember when. The frame is fixed to the wall, but I could unscrew it for you, I guess. Oh, no, no, that's all right. I never knew it had been a church. Yes. St. Clement's Dane, its name was. Uh, oranges and lemons, say the bells of St. Clement's. You owe me three farthings, say the bells of St. Martin's. What's that? <laughs> a rhyme we had when I was a little boy. How it goes on, I don't remember. But it, it ended up, here comes a candle to light you to bed. Here comes a chopper to chop off your head. Oh. <laughs> I'd let that print go for four dollars if you wanted it. Once it would have fetched eight pounds. And eight pounds was... Uh, well, I, I can't work it out, but it was a loss of money. <laughs> well, uh, Mr. Uh, Charrington, sir. I am interested in that old notebook, Mr. Charrington. That diary. April 17, 1984. I have begun this diary as a safeguard. A control against the suicidal impulse to declare myself openly. I'm writing it in a corner of my room, out of the range of the telescreen. But what I write here, and whether I go on with this, will make no difference. I have committed the essential crime by thinking of a diary. Thought crime is death. Before death, there is a routine of confession. Then they shoot you. Nevertheless, exactly because I recognize myself as a dead man, it becomes important now to stay alive as long as possible. Down with Big Brother. There I did it. Down with Big Brother. April 20. Today at lunch in the cafeteria, Ampleport talked about the future of newspeak. Ampleforth is passionately devoted to the destruction of words. 
take thought crime, Winston. I promise you that we shall make thought crime literally impossible because there will be no words to express it. Breathtaking, what? Remarkable. If you have no words for the thought crime, how can you crime think? Fascinates me, Winston, by its logical perfection. You do see things clearly, Ampleforth. Oh, it's just a pure specimen of double thing. April 23. Freedom is the freedom to say two and two make four. If that is granted, all else follows. April 24. Last night in a dream, everything was light. The slanting rays of the evening sun fell on a brook in a field beyond a wood. I felt a great freedom. I asked, where am I? This is the golden country. The dark-haired girl at the office came across the field. And her arms opened wide to me in a gesture of infinite grace and splendor. I ran to meet her. When suddenly, the light vanished. A wall of darkness arose. And I was in my old nightmare of the unendurable thing that waits for me behind that wall. In panic, I escaped down a pitch-dark corridor. And there I heard a voice, quiet and casual. I am with you. I know precisely what you are feeling. But don't worry. We shall meet again. We shall meet in the place where there is no darkness. I've never known why I have this belief in O'Brien, but it doesn't matter. His voice had said, we shall meet in the place where there is no darkness. And whatever that may signify, I believe that in some way or another, it will come true. Ampleforth. Yes, Winston? Will you watch my message tube on your screen? I'm going down the hall a moment to check a map. Right. I'll leave you plugged in. Thanks. That girl coming up the corridor. She again. Ah! Watch out. Hey, what's the matter? You hurt? I stumbled. Let me help you out. Thanks. You're quite pale and you're trembling. You sure you're all right? Oh, quite sure. Quick, take this note. Keep your hand over it and go away. Shall I plug you out now? Yes, thank you. Right. I mustn't look yet. I must shuffle a note among the papers on the desk. I must leave it there a moment. And then look at it casually. Whatever is written on that scrap of paper is from the thought police. Perhaps they had reasons for choosing to deliver it this way. Maybe a summons. An order to commit suicide. A trap of some description. Whatever is written probably means my death. Unfold it on the desk now. Keep your fingers from trembling. Now glance down and see what she... I love you. I can't believe it. It's a trick. I love you. It's a trick. I love you. But she was pale. She was frightened. Maybe... I love you.
are listening to 1984 from the novel by George Orwell, produced by the Theater Guild on the Air, presented by the United States Steel Corporation. Presented by the United States Steel Corporation. And now the curtain rises on the second act of 1984. Starring Richard Widmark as Winston and featuring Alan Hewitt as O'Brien, Marion Seldes as the girl with Kenneth Banghart narrating. It is Sunday afternoon the following week. For days, Winston had been in a kind of fever that he might lose the girl if he didn't act quickly. But how could he arrange a meeting? Then one evening, at a rally where the mob was roaring and the telescreens blaring, she appeared at his side and whispered a few directions. They were to meet that Sunday at a place she knew in the country. Winston takes a lane through a lonely wood and waits for her. Don't talk. Follow me. Here we are. Do you like it? What's your name? Julia. Julia. I didn't want to say anything there in the lane in case there's a microphone hidden. I don't suppose there is, but there could be. I know we're all right in this spot. Would you believe that until this moment I never knew what color your eyes were? They're brown. And the lashes are thick and dark. How old are you? Twenty-six. Well, now that you see me in broad daylight, can you still bear to look at me? Yes, easily. I'm 39 years old. I've had an unsuccessful marriage. What could you possibly see in a man like me? It was something in your face. I thought I'd take a chance. I'm good at spotting people who don't belong. As soon as I saw you, I knew you were against them. And you're against them, too? I hate them. <laughs> you thought I was a good party member. Banners, processions, cold showers, always dressed in party overalls. Yes, Julia. <laughs> well, actually, I am that sort of girl to look at. Always yell with the crowd, that's what I say. It's the only way to be safe. And you want to be safe? Doesn't everyone? <laughs> Listen to that fellow up there. He just sings away for nothing. Please himself. It's the golden country. Almost. The golden country? A dream, a landscape I've imagined. I just can't believe this. No, no, don't stand up. Don't go out into that field. You might be seen. Julia. Yes? You've made me feel very proud. It's a pride in myself I've never had before. Your mouth is beautiful. It's too wide. And your waist is soft, just as I thought. I've never held anything as sweet to me. Oh, my God. Listen, Julia. I love you. Do you understand that? You can't have pure love when no emotion is pure and everything's mixed up nowadays with fear and hatred. But while we live, Julia, I love you. May 20. I've rented old Charrington's upstairs room. It's lunacy, perhaps, and at best we can only go there once in a while. But the temptation of having a hiding place that was truly our own was too much for me. This door goes down to the alley in the backyard, Mr. Smith. You'll have your own entrance, you see. I dare say everyone wants a little privacy now and then.
You can turn around now, Winston. Look. Julia, you put on makeup. That's <laughs> personal. Oh, good. In this room, I'm going to be a woman, not a party comrade. Yes, do that, Julia. The instincts they can't control are the forces that can tear the party to pieces. You make things too complicated, Winston. <laughs> when you're in love, you're happy inside, aren't you? And if you're happy inside, why get excited about Big Brother and the party and all the rest? All this politics and yelling and marching up and down is simply energy gone sour. Because there is no love. June 1. It has happened at last. The expected message has come. The underground conspiracy does exist. And I have reached the outer edge of it. All my life, it seems to me, I've known it would confront me just so. Uh, Smith. Oh, good afternoon, Comrade O'Brien. Smith, I, um, I notice you take a scholarly interest in Newspeak. Well, it's just in the course of the work. I have an early edition of a Newspeak dictionary that would interest you, I should think. You might pick it up at my flat sometime. I? At your flat? It's the old fourth edition. Very rare, you remember. Here, I'll, I'll give you my address. Don't you see, Julia? He was giving me a sign, a signal. But I don't understand. Why is an old dictionary... That, that... edition is not supposed to exist, Julia. It was purged for Goldsteinism. O'Brien's remark was an obvious code message. Well, to tell you the truth, these tales about Goldstein and his underground always struck me as rubbish. I think the party itself made them up for some reason, and, and you have to pretend to believe them. Julia, why don't you walk out of here before it's too late? You're young, you look innocent. If you keep clear of people like me, you might stay alive for another another 50 years. Yes, dear, I know. But all the same, what you do, I'm going to do. <laughs> don't be too downhearted. I'm rather good at staying alive. You know, if they catch me, and if I confess, they'll shoot you. And if I refuse to confess, they'll shoot you just the same. They can make you say anything. They torture you. So suppose you do say what they want. They can't make you believe it. With all their cleverness, they can't get inside you. No. If they could make me stop loving you, that would be the real betrayal. My name is Smith. I was invited here. This young lady's with me. You came in. Excuse me. God, that's Winston Drapes. They have everything. We've done it, Julia. In here, please. I'm a vast strategic maneuver. You are now witnessing a phenomenal fight. Yes, sir. Directly inspired by the genius of Big Brother, may well bring the war to a... <gasps> the telescreen. You can turn it off. Yes. It's neither sending or receiving now. The inner party has that privilege. Well, sit down, please. Well, shall I say it, or will you? I, uh, I can speak? That thing is really turned off? Everything is turned off. We're alone. I can speak freely? Well, surely that's plain to you. Why else do you suppose I took the risk of inviting you here? We have... We have come here because we believe there's some kind of secret underground working against the party and that you are involved in it. We want to work for it. Bring the drinks over here, Mark. 
Thank you. That's all. Martin is one of us. I think we should begin by drinking a health. To our leader. To Emmanuel Goldstein. Then there is such a person? Yes. There is such a person, and he is alive. Where, I don't know. Now, I have only a brief time at my disposal. I must start by asking you certain questions. You are prepared to give your lives? Yes. You are prepared to do anything which is likely to cause demoralization and weaken the power of the party? To cheat, to forge, to blackmail, to kill, to commit acts of sabotage? Yes. You are prepared to commit suicide if and when we order you to do so? Yes. You are prepared, the two of you, to separate and never see one another again? No. You did well to tell me, comrade. We have to know everything. You feel as she does, Winston? Yes. Good. And it is settled. Later, you will receive a book to read. Goldstein's book. There will be instructions on how to return it. You have a hiding place, of course. Yes, a room. It is important to change one's hiding place frequently. Now, please clear your minds of any romanticism. When you receive orders, they will be directly from me. Although you will not come to this flat again. You will work alone with nothing to sustain you except the cause, the idea. Your only true life is in the future, in which you will take part as handfuls of dust, splinters of bone. We shall only meet again, if we do meet again. In the place where there is no darkness? In the place where there is no darkness. Julia, come in, come in. I got it today, the book. Thank you, dear. Yes. Good. It fascinates me. It's as though my own thoughts had been transformed by a mind enormously more powerful and vastly more systematic. That's nice, dear. I brought some order for the coffee. Julia, you'll have to read it, too. Uh, you read it out loud, then you can explain it to me as you... Ah! Get out, you filthy brute! What was that? Oh, rat. Huh? I saw him stick his nose out of the wall. There's a hole down there. Rats. In this room? Well, they're all over. And the nasty thing oh, is... Don't. Don't, don't, don't go on What's the matter? Of all the horrors in the world, a rat. It's a, it's a nightmare. Winston, you've gone quite pale. I'm sorry, Julia. Don't don't pay any attention. Darling, hold me. Hold him close. Just something in me that I, I can't help, Julia. Something unendurable. It's all right. I'll stuff the hole with a bit of stocking. There. That'll keep the brood out. Thanks. So, Winston. Hmm? That picture on the wall... What is that place? Oh, that's a church. Or at least it used to be. St. Clement's Day. <gasps> Oranges and lemons say the bells of St. Clement's. You owe me three farthings say the bells of St. Martin. <laughs> Where did you hear that? From my grandfather. He used to say it to me when I was a little girl. Someday I'll have to take that picture down and give it a good cleaning. We'll go on with the book. I'll fix the coffee. Now he comes to double think, Julia. Oh, this part is absolutely... Julia. Yes, my love. Just looking into the fireplace. Go on, dear. You read so well. Yes. Uh, applied to a party member, double think means a loyal willingness to believe that black is white when party discipline demands this. But it further means the ability to know that black is white and to forget that one has ever believed the contrary. Yes, that's exactly right, Julia. 
He makes me understand how. But what I don't understand is why. Hmm? Yes, dear, of course, go on. Uh, thus, if human equality is to be forever averted, if power is to be retained indefinitely by the party, then the prevailing mental condition must be controlled insanity, which they regard as sanity. Now, here we reach the central secret that first led the masters of the party to the seizure of power. This motive really consists of... Se- Julia. Hmm? You awake? Oh, I drop off. <laughs> oh, darling. Well, never mind. We'll let it go at that for this evening. Oh, it's late. We should leave here soon. No, not yet. You do enjoy this place, don't you? You dozed. I read a book. We've been alone. And it's been safe. Ah, Winston, you are the dead. It was behind the picture. A terror screen. It was behind the picture. Remain exactly where you are. Make no movement until you are ordered. The house is surrounded. The house is surrounded. And while we're on the subject, here comes a candle to light you to bed. Here comes a chopper to chop off your head. Charrington. Yes, Charrington. For the first time in your life, Winston... You can identify a member of the fort, police. Take the man first, comrade. Smith! Smith W69, take your hands down from your face. No faces covered in the cell. If only the pain would stop. That's all you can wish of pain out of it. Stop. When did they arrest me? How many days have they beaten me? But if I could save Julia by doubling my old pain, would I do it? They never turned the lights out. No darkness. In here. Oh, Brian. They've got you, too. They got me a long time ago. But don't worry, Winston. You are in my keeping. For seven years, I watched over you. I read your inner thoughts. I studied the sickness in your mind. Your insanity. Now, I shall save you. I shall make you perfect. I shall make you sane. Listening to 1984, produced by the Theater Guild on the Air, presented by the United States Steel Corporation. You are listening to the Theater Guild on the Air, presented by the United States Steel Corporation. We pause now for station identification. You're in tune to Orlando, WORZ, AM, and FM. And now the curtain rises on the third act of 1984.
starring Richard Widmark, featuring Alan Hewitt, Marion Selvers, Kenneth Banks. Amplified. Ah, oh, Smith, you too. What are, what are you in for? It was an indiscretion, undoubtedly. But I couldn't help it, Winston. We are producing a definitive edition of the poems of Kipling, and I allowed the word God to remain at the end of a line. The rhyme was Rod. Amplified? Yes. You will come with me. Room 101. Room 101? Come along I... quietly. No, no, not room 101, I beg you. God, get this man out. No, not me. Take Smith. He's the one that's against the party. What is in room 101? You know what is in room 101, Smith. Everyone knows. Think, and it will come to you. Winston. Uh, Wake up, Winston. Huh? Oh, Brian. Don't try to move. You are strapped down. We've taken you from yourself. Is this your room 101? No. You will be told if you go to room 101. Everyone is told. Now look above you, Winston. You see the dial? Yes. The numbers run up to 100. My hand controls the lever. If I move it, a wave of pain will flood your body. For example, this is You will remember then that throughout our conversation, I have it in my power to inflict pain on you at any moment and to whatever degree I choose. Do you understand that? I enjoy talking to you, Winston. Your mind resembles my own. Except that you happen to be mentally deranged. No, no. It is impossible to see reality, Winston. Except by looking through the eyes of the party. That is the fact you must relearn. It is impossible to think. Except with the party. How can you control the mind? Thought is involuntary. Do you remember writing in your diary, freedom is the freedom to say that two and two make four? Yes. I have one hand on the lever of the dial. Here is my other hand. How many fingers am I holding up? Four. And if the party says it is not four, but five, how many? Four. <laughs> the dial is at 55. <laughs> how many fingers, Winston? <laughs> Sixty. How many fingers, Winston? No, that's no you are lying. You still think there are all four. Five, are you still you like a giant? Five, I do five of my court. Oh, stop it, man. Stop it, man. That's that. You see now that it is at any rate possible 
Here, this syringe in your arm will ease me. No doubt, as you lie there, you're wondering why we go to the trouble of interrogating you. Since you believe we intend to destroy you. Yes. Why bother to torture me? Because it is intolerable to us that an erroneous thought should exist anywhere in the world. All persons whom we bring to this place are washed clean, Winston. The execution of their sentences is relatively unimportant. By the time we have finished with them, there is nothing left in them but sorrow for what they have done and love for Big Brother. It is touching to see how they love Big Brother. Ah, Winston, been sitting up? Yes. Good. You tried to walk? Yes. Hmm, you're getting better. Well, before we resume today, you can, if you choose, ask me a few questions. Any question you like, it will be all right. What have you done with Julia? She betrayed you, Winston. Unreservedly. You would hardly recognize her if you saw her now. All her rebelliousness, her deceit, her folly, burned out. You tortured her. Next question. Does Big Brother exist? Of course he exists. The party exists. Big Brother is the embodiment of the party. Does he exist in the same way that I exist? You do not exist. I was born and I shall die. I have my own identity, my own, no other. I exist. No importance. Now, the next stage in your reintegration is the stage of understanding. Do you remember Goldstein's book? You said it told you how, but it didn't tell you why. You've read the book? I wrote it. That is to say, I collaborated in writing it. No book is produced individually. But to return to this question of how and why. You have been learning how the party maintains itself in power. Now tell me. What is our motive? Why should we want power? Go on. Speak. You... You are ruling over us for what you believe is the good of... That was stupid, Winston. I will tell you the answer to my question. The party seeks power entirely for its own sake. We are interested solely in power. Pure power. Power is not a means. It is an end. The object of persecution is persecution. The object of torture is torture. The object of power is power. Do you begin to understand me? You can't do it. You can't succeed. You can't rule the world by, by, by fear and, and, and hatred and, and cruelty. You are talking with a part of your brain that we have not cured. Something will defeat you. Something out of the life. Like maybe the spirit of man. Something. I, Winston. Oh, no. How does one man assert absolute power over another? Think. By making him suffer. Exactly. By making him suffer. Obedience is not enough. Unless he is suffering, how can you be sure that he is obeying your will and not his own? Somehow you will fail. 
There is some principle that you cannot overcome. With pure power, we are omnipotent. Never forget that, Winston. Always and forever. We know the intoxication of power constantly increasing. Always and forever, the thrill of victory. The thrill of trampling over a victim who is helpless. Winston, look. This is a golden country. Wake up, Winston. Julia, it's you. Of course. Wake up. Take my hand. I'm real. I'm alive. Don't you like me, Winston? Oh, my love. My beloved. You must help me, Julia. You must tell me something. What can you do against the lunatic who is more intelligent than yourself? They can make you say anything. Anything, Winston. Julia, wait. Get up, Winston. Uh, Wake up. You were dreaming. Stand up. Look me in the face. Intellectually, Winston, you were making progress. I was pleased with you. But I find you have had feelings that you fought to hide from me. That was foolish. What do you want? Tell me, Winston. What are your true feelings toward Big Brother? I... Remember, I am always able to detect a lie. I hate him. Then the time has come for you to take the final step. You must love Big Brother. We're going to room 101. Strap him up right on the chair. Strap him. Winston, you asked once what was in room 101. Everyone knows the answer. The thing that is in room 101 is the worst thing in the world. The worst thing in the world varies from individual to individual. There are cases where it is quite some trivial thing. But for everyone, there is something unendurable, a pressure that you cannot withstand even if you wanted to. Uh, Bring in the cage. The cage. Do you remember your nightmares, Winston? The wall of darkness and the thing that could not be faced. It was rats that were on the other side of that wall. You can't can't do that. You you couldn't do that. In your case, the worst thing in the world happens to be rats. Oh, Brian, please. I'll do anything. Just just tell me what it is you want me to do. Tom Winston, in your heart, you know. You won't tell me what it is. There is one person to whom you can transfer your punishment, but you must do it of your own free will. Set down the cage. Set it down. It was an ancient Chinese punishment, Winston. No. The cage fits over the face and the rest. No! No, 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 don't, don't do it to me, no! Punishment. No, 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 not to me. Not at my face. Yours, no. unless you transfer it. No, no, not to me. To her, to Julia, to little Julia. You have purged your heart. 
Now, your heart is pure. We have our last glimpse of Winston in 1984 as he sits in an empty cafe in mid-afternoon. Since his release from prison, Winston has a job of sorts at the ministry, but no one pays much attention to him. He idles, drifts. He drinks a lot of the synthetic gin of Oceania, and he waits. Waits. Right now, he is waiting with some concern for the war news on the telescreen. Suppose... Suppose the Eurasians break through in Africa. Suppose they take the Congo Basin. Oceania itself may be threatened. We're in a crisis. Suddenly, the broadcast. Winston has won the final victory over himself. He loves Big Brother. From the novel by George Orwell, sponsored by the United States Steel Corporation. We express our thanks to our star, Richard Widmark, as Winston, and to Alan Hewitt, featured as O'Brien, and to Marion Seldes as Julia, and to Kenneth Banghart, who was our narrator. Our thanks also to the other members of our cast, as Charrington, Stutz Cotsworth, as Ampleford, Ronald Long, as the woman comrade, Florence Robinson, as the telescreen voice, Robert Reddick. Next week on the United States Steel Hour, Quiet Wedding, a comedy starring Diana Lynn, John Dahl, and Jesse Royce Lambus. And remember that the trademark of United States Steel, USS, on any steel product is your guide to quality steel. The Theater Guild on the Air is under the supervision of Lawrence Langner and Teresa Helburn with our minor martial executive producer. As Mark Smith is editor, music was composed and conducted by Harry Levy. Mr. Ridgewood Woodmark may soon be seen in the 20th Century Fox production, Pick Up on South Street, co-starring Gene Peters. Your announcer is Norman Brokenshire. The United States Steel Corporation hopes that you'll be with us next Sunday at the same time. Tonight here, Dragnet over NBC. 